What's up, everyone? Welcome to another edition of the Tuesday Track Talk Podcast, episode number three. Do it for Dale. Uh, my name featuring the Three Stones Pit Crew. My name is Cameron. I am the tire changer. My name is Kellen. I'm the Jack Man with the crew. I am Cameron. I am all things gas, the gas man. And we got another jam-packed episode here for you today. We're going to talk a little bit about Talladega, some of the bigger storylines coming out of there. Talk about Rockford Speedway, the National Short Track Championships from there this past weekend. Also a little bit of high limits, a little bit of from last week and a little bit from this week as well, or tonight from uh, the race at, uh, I don't even remember where they're racing at now, Bridgeport. Um so jam-packed episode again, again, hitting some more series, getting some dirt tracks, uh, more dirt tracks, sprint cars, and getting some super late models. But before we dive into it, what's going on, fellas? What's going on uh, since we reconvened from last week? Boys, I am I am down bad. <laughs> so a little personal note. So usually I roll with the green Stanley, but this week I got the hog out. Oh, um, God. I woke up this morning, so when we do this, I get a, like, back of my throat gets, like, dry or something. And I woke up this morning, and I must have slept with my mouth wide open because I got, like, a little bit of that sore throat going on. So I'm battling that for the people. And then not only that, but we had to roll out the backup car. The technology was <laughs> not cooperating. So we're, we're 30 minutes behind schedule because um, we couldn't get the primary car fired. So... Uh, had to roll out the backup car, um, but yeah, we're down bad over here, so <laughs> only up from here. But yeah, got a little bit of got a little bit of whiskey in that drink of yours to help with that sore throat. <laughs> Straight water, you can see the straw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're down bad. It's only up from here, but yeah, I'm battling and I'm ready to go. I mean, the obvious one is. Talk about being down bad. It's got to be those two truck guys got that lovely little note in the mail from NASCAR for what was a total of $30,000 between yeah. Kraft and Sanchez. So, I mean, <laughs> that's an obvious one. But, no, I mean, it's been fun uh, kind of playing around with this and figuring out what we can get to go. And um, if you guys haven't figured it out, we do have um, our other socials that um, we're posting on Instagram and Twitter. In TikTok as well, um, same name, but no, that's been fun figuring out the the editing part and and what gets gets the people to see it and, and yeah. get in front of the right people. So that's been fun to me to kind of figure out like um like the shorts on YouTube that we've been posting um every week. That's been fun to just like it's something new, it's entertaining, it's intriguing to me. So yeah. um that's been kind of fun to play around because I've never done anything like this so. To be a, we're now we can all consider ourselves content creators. Um, <laughs> add that to the resume too. But no, it's been I'm having a blast doing this because then we can just and then obviously we have to talk racing, um, which is always fun. But other than that, so far so good. I can't complain. Yeah, you Dude, learn from this. Rolling up, imagine rolling up to a job application, <laughs> work experience, content creator. Three Stones Pit Crew. Oh, God, another one of these guys. <laughs> you slap the hat on your job resume. I don't know how you don't get the job immediately. 
Yikes. No, it has been fun deal figuring this stuff out. And, you know, we're, we're doing this on the fly. We're kind of, it's the school of hard knocks. We're learning as we go and we're having fun with this though. That's the big thing. So. I think we kind of talked the other night too. Um, As we start getting this thing figured out, trust me, we're going to be amateurs for the time being, but as soon as we get this thing, as soon as we get get a few things ironed out, um, (laughs) what little money I have, I might start investing (laughs) a little bit in this. Uh, With that uh, 26% APR that you got on your card of yours? Yeah. Uh, (laughs) That card, but, no, I think card it makes its way into every episode. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> I love no, that. I think we have some some decent ideas of like, hey, as we get going and we kind of get this figured out, maybe get a official logo or something, and then maybe yeah. start dabbling with uh, obviously not a backup car camera here, um, maybe a little bit nicer camera, um, yeah, and then maybe a little bit of a microphone action, maybe get a little bit more official but dude we're the three stones pit crew for a reason um yeah we're lucky sure. if we got two and a half stones between the three of us <laughs> um, yeah so we uh by no means are professional um no but we love um not the smartest human beings but we love racing so we'll get on here and try to sound intelligent well, I suppose we should probably talk about some racing then if we're uh, a racing podcast. No, there was a lot of great racing over this past week. And like I said, Rockford uh, this past weekend with their National Short Track Championships, high limits, both uh, last weekend today and, of course, Talladega with NASCAR, the trucks, and Cup Series there. So let's start with Rockford, though. Um, I was able to be there in attendance on Sunday for the National Short Track Championships with the Big 8 late models. Uh, it's a big year for Rockford as a whole, uh, because it's their last lap. It's their last season that they'll be open. Uh, Jody Deary, uh, who was longtime owner and promoter of the racetrack passed away this past winter. Uh, and the family have decided to sell the racetrack to some developers with a lot of the retail stuff that's going on uh, around the area. There's that just that time for the track to, uh, seize their operations. So it's been a big year for them. Uh, and of course, this is the last National Short Track Championship, the 58th running of the National Short Track Championships. Long storied history with that. Um, it was a two-day event starting on Saturday night. They had a super late model invitational, which really was a, if you want to show up, show up and run with us. We'll take anybody. Brought in a couple of people. Casey Johnson made a return. Old Richie Bickle came out of retirement uh, to run that race. So he owns owes Danny Fredrickson a thousand dollars because he couldn't keep his word and you know, it was a <laughs> great event there and it definitely brought a lot of emotions out for uh Bickle who's got a lot of history there so um Austin Nason ends up winning that race Dominic Carr uh he was going back and forth um no just an overall great race with them and again Richie Bickle getting real emotional up there on on turn turn two wall with uh the closing down so no it was good to see him come back um 
and and run good too. He had some brake problems there early or later in the race that kept him from winning that race or getting being competitive. But um, no, Nason had a really strong car on that Saturday. I don't know if any of you guys was able to watch that race at all, but no, really good time. No, I think, and I I didn't get to watch that one, but I do have to say I think when you look at the pictures, like there was two pictures that were posted on social media of Bickle. He literally parked the car in that corner and he sat on the wall. Yeah. Uh, I think that like when you look at short track racing and you look at, it feels like everywhere you turn and we talk about racetrack revival and all these places trying to bring racetracks back. But when you look at losing these short tracks, like him sitting on that wall leaned against the billboard. um, I think there's just, the stories that go into that, um, and we, the three of us, can't even begin to touch what, what is the story of that. But I think, though, that just is such an iconic picture of the stories that have been what since the day that place opened. Um, they always have put on interesting races, but good races <laughs> at the same time because it is such just a little bull ring that to win a race, you might have to move somebody here and there. Oh, um, for sure. You're not leaving that race with a clean car. If you leave no. with a clean car, you didn't race hard enough. But yeah, that was, I just, that from, I did get to watch the Sunday race, but the Saturday night race to see, to see that, to even see him on the track at that place. And, and somebody like Casey Johnson, who hasn't hardly yeah. raced at all, to see him unload a car. Um, that's a pretty cool deal. And I think that says a lot about the people that have taken care of that place for such a long time. So, Absolutely. I mean, they've done a great job with that year. If you follow any of their socials, they've done an awesome job with that. Um, hats off to that crew. And obviously all the, all the racers that have been there week in and week out to make that such, such a, a well-known place for, uh, for so long. Yeah. Uh, I think I didn't, I'll second, I'll double down on that. I did not get to watch the Saturday night show. Um, but I think anytime you throw in some of those names, Austin Nason, Richie Bickle, and you get some of those bigger name short track guys at an event like this, like it just, like it is going to be good racing. Yeah. And, you know, we've got to watch our fair share of Richie Bickle races and guys, guys, a legend wherever he goes. Um, He's just the the old savvy vet that you can never count out. Yeah. Uh, so anytime he gets back in a car, um, it's always good for short track racing. Um, and um, obviously those two pictures of him on the track, I can't think of what the what was going through his mind. Um, probably just a ton of emotions and everything. But um, yeah, wherever the I don't know if there's going to be a memorial or a wall of fame or something. That picture will be probably front and center of um, Rockford's kind of last hurrah. Yeah. And you mentioned kind of, you know, we talked about the history and some photos of um, past races and events there. They used to hold concerts there very often. Bickle said that he saw a Ted Nugent concert there when he was a <laughs> yep. kid. Um, no, I saw some photos. I mean, it started out, it was, you know, middle of cornfield off the backstretch. There was nothing but cornfield back there. Um, but it was really cool to see some of the history of the track of some of the things that they'd done, um, 
where it started and what it's become now. But, and again, it's, it's, it's such the history of the track too. You had a ton of guys that raced throughout there. Mark Martin raced there. Joe Shear, one of the greatest drivers up here in the Midwest, won a ton of these uh, national short track championship races. Dick Trickle is a spry 22 year old, won the first one um, way back when. So, no, it's just really cool to see it. Jacob Nottestad was that other driver that came, that uh, Austin was Nason was racing against. But no, it was just it was really cool to see the history. Um, a lot of old trophies over there. A lot of old flags, jackets. I mean, phenomenal, phenomenal history there. And I mean, they it it was such a well-run track too. There were a number of awards given out by NASCAR for Track of the Year, Promoters of the Year um humanitarians you know anything it's just the the deary family as a whole were just really good people when it came to taking care of that racetrack and making it what it was one i i i still need to repost this but i saw it it was sunday morning before that that final race um on sunday the big one uh just jesse bernhagen posted on uh posted on Facebook and said, I kind of want to go full Lorax mode and strap myself to the sign and shout, I speak full <laughs> Like, I mean, that's what people yes. think of. Right? It's like they come here and it's like they want to tape themselves to the billboards and say, "Leave, yeah. don't, don't let this place go. But, yeah, um, and you know, I think with the last year of, especially the, the family that's led that track that, you know, for them, it maybe is just time. Yeah. Um, and if you, Another uh, another deal on YouTube, if you look at that Racing Nuggets podcast on YouTube as well, um, they did do an, um, an interview with the, the Deary's and um, the emotions, and that was early in the race season, the emotions in that were uh, a lot to listen to and hear about in all that good stuff. But, uh, no, yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. And you got guys that are just like, oh, no. <laughs> so yeah it's been uh it's been fun to kind of see that um this is probably ignorance on my part not doing my due diligence and research um but they're selling it do they have any to who and any plans or you know is it sell it and shut it down or no, it so it's already been sold to some developers. I don't remember the name offhand, but that area has been really blowing up as far as retail goes. And its location is right off the interstate. So it's a prime spot for retail, anything like that. And it's just, there was, there's too much around it for that racetrack to be there. Yeah. They're, they're going to bulldoze it. Yeah. yeah. Is what it comes down to. Yeah. Unfortunately. So, um, yeah. Moving on to Sunday, though, the the main event, the Big 8 Series, uh, they headlined the National Short Track Championship race. Um, packed field, too. They started 25 cars for that race. Um, and we didn't even make it past the warm-up laps, and we already had some big issues. Austin Nason, one of the favorites, um, along with Max Kaler, another favorite there, both having issues during warm-up laps. Uh, Austin, Austin Nason was never able to come back out from it. Max Kaler did come back out, but was never able to do anything. Uh, listening to Austin's radio, it sounded like they didn't have the right gasket that they wanted in the car. They were they had a middle gasket in the in some part of the engine and they should have gone with the cork ones. So didn't even turn a lap before they pulled off the track. And he, I think arguably when you look at the Saturday night winning that feature, I think he would have been your 
probably your favorite to win that race, oh. I would think. Or, he was, or and he was going three. for three in a row, which would have been only the second time that anybody won three in a row. Yeah. Another kind of another storyline with that is Max Kaler, too. And he's uh, of recently, he's found speed up here in the Midwest. He's, when you look at the Dells and, and you look at some of these other places you go, even uh, when we were at Madison for a uh, Midwest tour, that again yeah. was another spot that, and again, a, a wide variety of tracks, he's really starting to figure out how to make speed at some of these short tracks. So um, he's he a former be, winner of that race too. Yep. He would have absolutely had to have a say in what was going to go on in that race. Um on Sunday. Uh getting into the race though, had its wide variety of, lead, uh, of leaders. Uh you had Randy Sargent lead a little bit. Uh you had Michael Bilderback leave a little bit. And Dale Nottestad led a majority of that race and really it was his race to lose there for a while. Um and in typical Rockford fashion, it beat up some of the equipment that was running around there. Um, <laughs> Michael Bilderback, he was in the lead. He ended up having brake problems or rotor problems. He had to pull off the track. Like I said, Dale Nottestad, really, really strong car, was probably going to be the one to beat that later on in that race. Uh, he had some electrical issues. It was weird because it sounded like, at least when he was driving by me, I was right at the beginning of turn one. That car was popping real loud more than your typical exhaust pop would have been so i think it was he was really beating that motor up and it finally gave in on him well even when you look at it like he he led he was leading a lot and was it jeremy miller that was catching him late i think yeah. he was he was closing the gap but i yeah. just didn't think it was going to be enough and i think who and Jeremy Miller who ended up winning that race was going to end up burning up his stuff hard yeah. there. Yeah, because so. he was he was diving in hard on entry and he was gaining a lot of ground, but he was losing it coming out too. Yeah. So, um, yeah, they got to that that middle break or that halfway break there. Like I said, Dale Nastad he had a really good car in that second half. Uh, Builderback came on and ended up falling out. Another guy that ended up having a pretty good run before some issues was Jacob Guile. Uh, Guiley. He was so he lost part of his exhaust in the first half of the race and was actually breathing in some of the fumes from the exhaust. So he was not feeling very well. And he actually stepped into the ambulance during the break just to get some oxygen in him and was even wondering if he was going to be able to hop back in the car. So they figured something out. They took the hood off of the car did something with the exhaust to at least get it out uh, and, and away from the cockpit, and he ended up running. He had started out second and ended up ending, finishing fifth, but powered through, so that tells you the toughness of some of these guys and how much they want it. So, uh, I, Jerry Miller, though, <laughs> classic. Did I hear you right that they took the hood off? Yeah, they yep. took the hood off. There was three cars that finished the race low hoods because they had, they had heat He's issues. Yeah, is that not like short track racing? Yeah, to a T. Yep. If if there's a will, there's a way. Yep. Breathing in fumes and popping the hood, get a little hit of oxygen, and get back out there, son. We got a race to win. Yep. Yep. It was a hot day down there too. It got up in the nineties. Them guys were scorching. So, um, no, throw your fire suit, dude. 
Yeah, oh. have, I mean, I would think some of these guys got the some sort of cooling. You know, those NASCAR guys wear those cooling suits below their fire suits. But if you don't have that, that is these like guys tough it out. That is a workout and a half in that. So, and at Rockford too. I mean, you're up on the wheel at all times at that place. Elbows up. Yep. So, um, no, Jerry Miller ends up winning that race. Fun fact, it's the first time he's won a feature race at Rockford in 16 years. And he wins the final National Short Track Championship there. Yeah, that's, that, that's a pretty cool little fact here, talking about that on the stream. And actually, when he won the race, the guy announcing it was like, he was literally screaming. Yep. It was, it, I mean, it was awesome. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that that's cool for him. That's, uh, that's a big deal. And I think... Um, if there was any race at that place that everybody wanted to win with their damnedest, it was oh, going to be that one. Absolutely. Um, um, even to win a feature throughout the year at that place to say you did that in the last, the last lap season would be pretty cool. But, um, they were going to, they were going to duke it out to try to win that one for sure. So, so. No, Jeremy Miller, Randy Sargent, he had a really good run. He started about mid-pack and came his way up. Uh, Alex Papini, all the way from Pensacola, Florida, he made the trip up, at, ended up actually borrowing or working with Randy Sargent. So you have team cars finishing 2-3. Uh, Jesse Bernhagen, who just is a solid driver, and like I said, Jacob Guiley, uh, powering through and coming in with a fifth-place finish. So uh Casey Johnson was also turning wrenches on that Jerry Miller car so that could have done a little bit Casey's one uh been around there a handful of times and knows his way around a race car but no overall great race again it's just saying it's a shame to see that track go but what a way for uh them to go out with a bang with a really good race yeah for sure so um, and again, it's just, it just preaches the go out and support your local short track. It goes a long ways for them. The drivers always appreciate having racing in front of big crowds. It, it ramps up their intense intensity. Um, and again, take the family out there. It's always a great time. It keeps those, those short tracks around. And I think too, um, you know, kind of, we've talked about, uh, kind of just tying up you know, short track race in general, but, you know, a track like this, which we haven't quite got into, but, you know, for us diehard racing fans, these are like races that we live for where, you know, the average Joe looks at it and says, yeah, there are cars that are just going around in a track. Yeah. But you got people that don't realize like, is somebody burning their stuff up is, you know, it just, awesome just you know i think from the diehard perspective like these short tracks like that and these types of races are like what we live for um just kind of a strategic balancing act again you know you talk about Nottestead and some of these guys that had strong cars builder back that were leading leading the race yeah then you look at the results and it's like they got nothing to show for it um so i don't know uh tracks like that um yeah we got to find a way to keep them around um yeah. just because of you know they are just it's intriguing um yeah it looks like they're just going around in circles but 
once you start understanding, you know, what's going on, who's just riding around, saving their stuff and who's, who's trying to win it mid middle of the race. It's, it's just super interesting. Um, once you start knowing that, but, uh, yeah, for short tracks too. And then we talk <laughs> three guys, no hoods, like, <laughs> Come That's on. just short track racing at its finest. You yeah. don't you don't see that on Sundays, so no. Um, yeah, uh, short track racing, um, just awesome. And like you said, got to find a way to try to keep some of these tracks around. I do second uh, Jesse Bernhagen's uh, attempt there, plea to duct tape himself to billboards. If <laughs> I knew any better, I'd still be down there. <laughs> <laughs> and, and of course a typical you know memorabilia fashion too i'm kind of looking around it's like huh, i wonder what i could take with me to see if i can uh preserve something here oh dude like Strap I, I, one that of those... funny you say that that was the first thing that went through my mind like the, the billboards along the along the corners yeah. that almost made it like a stadium like feel yeah three and four you get those billboards lined up and chris was that saturday there was a car on fire up on the wall was yeah. that a mid-am car, I think? Uh, yeah, that was a mid-am car. He's got the rear of that car on fire. He's up on the wall, up on the billboards. But, like, you would have to think that, that that sign that's out on the highway when you come in, that's not going to disappear. Somebody yeah. is going to have that somewhere, and that is going to be around for a long, long time. The one that I really wanted, if I was good, take something with me. So as you come into the gate there, it has the seating chart. Of like all the sessions in layout. Oh, dude. If I, I know if I was going to take something, I was going to take that with me. That's awesome. Oh, man. But no, no, great. It was a great show. I, yeah. Big eight put on a good show there and, and they did a good, they did a super good job with that whole deal. Yeah. And again, it was great to have the turnout that they did 25 cars started that race. It was great field, um, great yep. support divisions as well. Just overall, it was a great weekend down there. So. Uh, moving on to a, I guess any other final thoughts with that before we move on here, fellas? No, I think, I think we kind of touched on the whole deal. Sure. I know one thing that really was kind of on our minds too, was uh, some high limit racing. I know they had a few weeks off, started getting it going again, been putting on some really good races and had a lot of uh, interesting people making appearances or uh mm, are, are getting themselves into the race so um starting with that i think the big one especially with that race is old dale jr was in the house for that one getting his getting dirty and, and experiencing some dirt racing for the first time it's not like he had a blast too yeah well i think it's cool especially for him coming off of that xfinity run he had at bristol like he he goes from that high to walking in here and he and it certainly is a great a great uh crossover to have Kyle Larson be such a big yes. part of that sprint car scene that not only is he doing it, but he's also when he unloads that fifty that silver fifty seven, he is gonna without a doubt be a favorite wherever he goes. Um oh, yeah. but to be able to have one um Larson as part of the staff of that high limit, which we'll get to in a little bit. <laughs> um, but to have him on that staff, especially with Brad Sweet, again, another guy that's just a stud in the sprint car world. Mm -hmm. um, it's super cool to have that because I can guarantee, it wasn't us, but I can guarantee you that there was somebody 
that doesn't follow sprint car racing, but was tuned into that because Dale Jr. was there. Absolutely. And that for the racing community is an absolute awesome thing to have because the, the autograph session and the interview interviews on the front stretch before the race, like all of that stuff was, um, that was just awesome for that crossover between um, the dirt and the asphalt guys, especially coming from somebody who's literally never been to a, a dirt race or has been in a super long time. Which is surprising, honestly. Yeah. For sure. I mean, you guys kind of mentioned the crossover. I mean, is this not what we need? Like, could we have put it on a golden platter any better? (laughs) Like, for us, you know, who follows, I mean, a lot of dirt racing and a lot of blacktop, I mean, this is literally the best of both worlds. You have Dale, who's guy's worldly famous um for his what he's done and he decides to do what we do and just expand his horizon a little bit and see quote unquote see what i've been missing all these years yep. and then not only that but like i listened to one video of him saying that uh they said you know dale whatever you can get here you just do your interviews and he was adamant that he did an autograph session for people so it's like, yeah. is that not the best of the both worlds where it's like he's bringing NASCAR fans or at least piques some NASCAR fans' interest, but then he's got diehard sprint car fans that maybe don't dabble in, you know, the NASCAR scene. Yep. It's like it, yeah, um, for racing, like that was just awesome to see. And I hope we continue to see more of that. Um, and I feel like we've kind of had, we kind of have throughout the year. I mean, obviously Kyle Larson's been the trailblazer, but you kind of see guys like Alex Bowman, that's kind of getting into it. But yep. yeah, I think that the, the Dale jr. Thing that him showing up was just totally awesome. Um, just for motorsports in general. Yeah. One of the things that I, I was listening to his podcast afterwards, kind of reviewing what his his deal was. Both I heard the the live show that he had at the track with Sweet and Larson, and then he had his on the plane back to from the racetrack podcast. And there's two things that really stuck out to me. One, it was the deal that he had with Larson because he they actually made a deal with each other. It was if Larson ran a cars tour race, he would go to a sprint car race. So that's why Larson hopped into that that car's late model at North Wilkesboro. Oh, okay. So they made a deal with each other to do that. So that was Junior paying his or cashing on his side of that favor. But too, he was also curious as far as like what they do promotion wise, being that they're you know owners of that that team, which is I know a big topic that we want to discuss, especially now that Junior is the owner of the Cars Tour. He wants to see what they're doing to run their show efficiently, how they're paying drivers, getting you know sponsorships and you know whatever the case may be there, and see if he can transfer that over to the Cars Tour and vice versa. Maybe they can pick up some things too. So that was really two big points that I got out of that that whole deal with it other than the fact that you know dale just had a great time and couldn't believe how insane them guys are hopping in a sprint car well i think even in kind of going 
going back just for a second on on Dale just being there, like to think about Dale being at that sprint car race, like he's somebody, and if you look over Cam's uh left shoulder there, he was a he was a dude that when we were growing up, he was in his prime winning races, oh. running in the eight. Um, so even for that, like some of those people that maybe haven't really followed Dale too much, but they're like, Dale comes on and says, I'm going to do something I haven't done like in what feels like forever. That again, that, that can yeah. draw out some of those people to pique their interest in, in what is short track racing um, on the dirt. But no, I, I think in there's a few layers to that too. Like what, what are they doing in the dirt world that he could transfer even to what he's doing with, with JRM, right? Yep. Like, you know, they've got a little bit of a driver change now with you got Sammy Smith coming over um to run for them. And he, he sponsorship money, man. If you can find it, they'll take it, right? Oh, like, absolutely. So that's another piece to it. And again, I think it speaks to his uh, his knowledge to know that he still has some stuff he can learn and build on from there, even from a dude that is so wise in so many ways with a race car. So yeah. Um uh, that's the part that's always interesting to me is like, obviously he loves the fans and he made it a point to be a fan oriented deal. And and he will always do that because that's who Dale is. Yep. Uh, but the dude's building the notebook for something, you know, and yeah, something big's coming. That's and we don't know what that is, but cup team question mark. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, I, it, the dude, that's, I do. That's just a wizard around racetracks, racing yeah. race cars. Um, doing something like that is that's that's pretty cool. So, and even that, it's like, and I think we can kind of get into that. Is like, what an absolute show for him to show up to. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wow. mean, if he really hasn't watched a ton of like sprint cars, I mean, I'm. I want to say I want to make the assumption like he hasn't totally been ignorant to it, but like sure. he hasn't, you know, probably followed it real close or, you know, whatever. But my word for the first time showing up to a racetrack and just see what it's all about. Yeah. That was a wild deal. Yeah. I mean, what, what a again, to show up to. Yeah, you had the mixed bags of, of drivers getting competitive in that race. It's and especially with that track layout, you know, it's that cushion was tough for a lot of guys in that race. <laughs> and that was even the hammers. <laughs> I I Brad Sweet, it bit him early in, in four. Larson damn near four. flipped it. You could see the undercarriage of that thing. You were <laughs> you were looking at the bottom of that race car. Look at um, I mean, that's that's the cushion in general, and we, yeah, we totally. kind of talk about it. Hey, guys that live up there, they live and they die up there. Yes, um, and, and they were all damn near dying out there. Yes, yeah. hey, hey, you know, you mess your entry up the slightest, and good night, and potentially hundred couple hundred thousand dollars out the window. Yep. So, um. But no, and then I think too, you know, kind of talking about that, you know, you watch Kyle Larson jump the cushion, doesn't know any better but to stay on the loud pedal and somehow brings it back on the track and keeps rolling. Brad Sweet gets up there. He ends up missing the cushion. 
but we've kind of talked about it last week on, uh, I think it was last week's episode of, you know, Jonathan Davenport pulling off in lap cars. And here we go again. You get leaders, which I don't know if it was the sole reason, but it's like Larson and uh, Sweet get into lap traffic, and it's like you're not hitting the same marks every time each lap because you're you're changing your line, you're running the bottom in three and four, and you're running the top in one and two, and it's like then you got a car in front of you. It's messing with your arrow. I mean – we talked about it last week of, you know, lap cars determining race and nobody blatantly um, determined the winner, a lap car, but there we were sitting right in the middle of it. Um, Larson and Sweet um, getting into lap traffic, missing it. And then all of a sudden there's Dave Gravel swooping in for a big payday. But yep. yeah, that, that race in general was just, I mean, it, I think, to kind of comment on that, Cam, I, I, you think you bring up a really good point about the lap traffic, and and maybe it's the length of the track that the high limit has picked. But I just feel like with those guys, I feel like, and maybe I'm missing a little bit here too. But I I'm just gonna say I think I feel like those guys that are leading those sprint car races are just catching lap traffic quicker than the late models. Or am I wrong to say that? No, I think you got a point. They've kind of hit a lot of bull rings per se this year. So, yeah, it's you're catching lap traffic really quick. So that's where I think it might be partially a, a, a track selection because if you look at it traditionally, they've gone two smaller tracks for the high limit. But it just feels like when those guys get out front, they just set sail and it's like they are just gone. Yeah. But I don't know. The same can be said about Bobby Pierce and Ricky Thornton Jr. all year, too. So <laughs> it's, it's hard to say, but it just feels like – and we'll touch on tonight's race as well. We'll kind of give a little recap of that, too. But it felt like the same thing. But, again, not a, not a big track. So I guess a lot could be said to their track selection, which keeps the racing very, very interesting, kind of as we alluded to last week with Davenport pulling off. And I think not to totally change the subject, but, you know, you're talking about some of these guys, these leaders that are getting into lap traffic so quick. I mean, their hammer starting up front. I mean, Kyle Larson, Brad Sweet, when they're starting up front, they're not, that car's wicked up. And those guys know what they want in the car. And when they get in it, they can wheel it. Mm-hmm. which kind of leads me to my next question of, yeah, we've been, they've been getting into, you know, lap traffic and stuff like that. And, you know, it kind of feels like, you know, some of these races, it's like, yeah, there's some different winners here and there, but it's like every time we go to a, a sprint car race, it kind of feels like we're a little bit, we got a little bit of the dirt late model scene of what's like, all right, Let's check the entry list, and all right, one, two, three. All right, who are you picking to win? It's like Kyle Larson, Rico, or Brad Sweet. It's like you check the entry list, and it's like you see those three guys there. So, I mean, I guess, you know, kind of time now, seeing all those three guys go at it, you know, last week was, again, if you don't know who those guys are when they enter a race, it's like that's like not – 
actually, yeah, it is. It is must watch TV. Um, well, and Cam, right when you were getting your your uh, 1898 internet set up with uh, today, Van Grohl and I were just talking. Brad Sweet is going for his fifth straight World of Outlaws Sprint Car title season. That season title five five in a row. Think about that for a minute. So I guess that begs the question. Say, all right, I'm not going to totally change the subject, but we're going to get to it right now. <laughs> Say, Sweet and Larson do buy the All Star Sprint Series. Yep, and. You got Rico, Brad Sweet, and Kyle Larson. Say they're running the full schedule. Who are you guys picking to win the championship? And oh, my God. I don't even know where to begin. I got to see the track list, too, first. <laughs> well, so, I mean, problem with, like, especially with Larson with his cup schedule, that's going to be a problem, too, because they can't run entirely midweek shows. You got to have some weekend shows in order to make schedules work out. Sorry, I made it a little bit more complicated bringing in if he buys the All-Star. Let's erase that part from memory. Say Kyle Larson, Brad Sweet, and Rico run an entire year. Who are you picking to win the championship at the end of the year? Give me a dartboard. That's going to be a better – that's going to pick better than what I'm going to. My only argument – against Brad Sweet and for Rico is how many times do they go to Eldora? Rico loves Eldora. Yep. Rico owns Eldora in a sprint car, I feel like, and he maybe doesn't have the wins to show for, but he is always, always there to be competitive. Yep. Um. But, oh, my, I don't know. Sweet could show up at damn near any track and win. True. Yeah, absolutely. I... Uh, <laughs> like so I, I asked I, a question and I'm 0 for 2 on answers. Well, we got three drivers and three stones. Somebody pick one. We'll go from there. I mean, give me Larson. I mean, he's a guy that he again, he's competitive where he goes, but when it comes to a lot of those crown jewel races, I mean, he's there aren't many crown jewel races that he hasn't won. And if he hasn't won it, it's because he's at a cup track somewhere. True. Okay. Cam, go ahead and make your pick. He took Larson. Um, And you can take the same pick. I mean, it's just that's my argument. That's fair. I think. Don't get paralysis by analysis over there. No, I I actually kind of am. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of am because, I mean. Got him. So you you talk about like a little bit of recency bias. It's like I think Kyle Larson, talent wise, best sheer talent driver out of those three. I agree. But I'm come back with the argument of Brad Sweet knows that car in and out, and he knows what he's got to be doing, adjusting on wings in the race and stuff like that, which. I think Larson knows, but I don't know. I guess where I think Eileen, I think I'd pick Brad Sweet. Um, but then it's also tough because it's like you look at what Rico's done. 
Rico's been hot um, this year, and he's really put himself on the map with his performances. I mean, that's he's almost put himself in that, hey, he shows up. Well, I think he is in, literally in the conversation. that He shows up. It's like, okay. Oh, yep. Uh, yeah, so remember, Lar- Larson oh, – I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I, I was just going to say, Ricky's put him – or Rico's put himself in that conversation of he shows up and it's like, all right, is it, top three. So he's going to be top three. So it's like, okay, well, if I want to pick a winner, there's about a 33% chance Rico wins the race. So <laughs> um, I don't know. But if I think, you know, if, you, if I had to be a betting man and those three ran the same series for an entire year, I think I'd pick Brad Sweet. Hell, I'll yeah. make you make. I'll let you make your pick, and then I got a, an argument for two drivers out of those three. Okay, and I'm gonna, I'll I'll pick them because Cameron just made my argument for me. Is I'll I'll take Rico. I'll take him. I think he's found something this year with, with his program that I think he he could be the guy. And I think when you start to run, um with those guys more regularly um, in that in Larson and, and Sweet because um, Sweet is obviously a world of outlaws guy. Um, but I think when you look at that, that could cater to Rico figuring out what he needs to do now that when he's maybe a week here or a week there, he's chasing one of those guys. He could learn what he needs to do to make adjustments, not only mid-race, but also to set the car up prior to even unloading that he could pick up some speed that way too. So I think, yeah, he, he, he's really come on, but I think maybe a race or two, he finishes second or third or fourth, but he's got to try to run those guys down. He can build his notebook to a point that he could start to put setups together that he unloads and he's there instead of chasing them at some point. So um, I think that's kind of my, my argument to Rico or for Rico at that point. Yeah, I think you kind of you made a good point. I think he, his program has made leaps and strides just this year since we've really started following. Um, yeah, somebody who's really showed up and again he had. We were just you guys talking. We were kind of watching prior to me getting my backup car out and getting the, the uh, backup laptop out. Um, the high limit series. So he's running that, and it'll be interesting to see what it shakes out. But he was 20 points behind Kyle Larson in the point standings for high limit. Rico gets a win tonight. So it is going to be really interesting to see. And I was going to see – I know they interviewed Larson and just see where he finished. But it's like Rico got a win tonight, so we could maybe have this – shootout. We maybe could have this question answered in – the next few weeks between Rico and Larson. Um, yeah, right there. Rico P1, Kyle P2. So those two are going to be neck and neck in points. And looking at the schedule, um, where we have left. Next week, the finale. Oh, God, we're at Lincoln Park Speedway. Next Tuesday, um, Rico was 20 points behind Kyle Larson coming in tonight. Rico gets the win. Kyle finishes P2. So, next Tuesday night, 
we are going to have crown a high limit champion. And yeah, I think you guys, you two can hash it out um, for Rico versus Larson um, next week. But sorry, interjected Cam. What were you going to say? You had a Rico, so, or you're going to bring somebody in. So I was, I'm looking up some stuff here. Um, if I remember right, Lars or not Larson, R- uh, Rico races his own equipment. It's his car that he's running, whereas Larson and Sweet they're running like Sweet's running Case Kane's car, and yep. Abe or Larson runs the Silva car. Yep. Uh so that's I guess that's one argument there. He's doing it in his own equipment. And two, Larson and Abreu are not shabby drivers when it comes to midgets as as well. They're uh. They're pretty good at the old midget racing, which is a different entire animal too when it comes to racing. So I think that might tip the scale a little bit for them there as well. Yeah, you look at that, that'll be those will be two guys that'll have a hand in the old uh chili bowl come here January one of well, no, because they're not racing. They've both come out and said that they're not racing chili bowl this year. Okay. Back up. Forget <laughs> I said that. Um, hopping um, back though. I don't want to start an argument, but let's let's get controversial. Let's fire this up. Let's, let's I could you care less. If, I could I could care less if Rico's running a family-owned car. It's his own equipment. We're talking about winning a season championship and. Yeah, does it kind of suck that it's like, yeah, Brad Sweet's probably got a lot more change behind him sure. than supporting him? I would like to think so, but look, I, if you think I'm going to feel bad for Rico because he's running his own equipment, I'm not. And those little midgies, the midgets that they run – Look, I said we we're running a sprint car series. Okay. <laughs> I, I think I don't know. I think whatever. I think I'm, Brad, I'm sticking you, with my pick though, Larson. Yeah, I'll take Rico. I ain't scared. You rattle off these stats: sixty-three oh, races, God. ten wins, thirty-nine top fives, fifty-seven top tens. For who? This? Brad Sweet. Oh, okay. okay. Yep. Good for him. <laughs> Thumbs up, pal. I I don't know. I, I just I think quick math. That's ninety percent of the time he's in the top ten. Well, uh, Rico, you could probably argue the same for Rico. I don't know the numbers because I don't have the numbers in front of me, but yeah. you could probably say that Rico's going to do the same. What are they? What do they call the match races where you just pit two two drivers against each other? It's just them uh, two out on the track. Isn't it a match race? Match race or what the what the what the hell do they call that? I mean, but you get my idea though. Just put yeah. all three of them out there. Just let them have at it. Yep, that could be that could be the that could be the fast dash for every high limit race coming up here. <laughs> all right, you three you three guys can race for one, two, and three, and we're gonna see uh, who gets to start first, second, and third. Yeah, and look. Let me just be clear. By no means am I knocking any one of those guys. Um, no. I love all three. And yep. anytime they get behind the wheel of anything, I want to watch. 
Um, so we're not knocking them. We're not saying, you know, whatever. Um, we love all three of them. And, yeah, I just thought it would be an interesting kind of point to bring up and see your guys' thoughts are. And, yeah, those are three of the best in the business again. And it would be kind of cool to see. All right, let's just let those three go out there and – uninterrupted let's put the, let's put those three on the track nobody else match race it yep and let's let those guys hammer it hammer it out but well here yeah. because because now you have me intrigued so i did i did a little looking oh boy here we go here are hopefully these are some uh hopefully this these is are right texas from... preview stats or no texas this preview. is <laughs> Just, just listen to me for a second here. Okay. This is this from- guy. This guy gets fooled by any fake racing news account on social media. Anytime right. there's some breaking news, Kellen <laughs> refuses to look at the source, but he's not. <laughs> or even okay. look at what he's <laughs> time out. Joe Gibbs Racing seemed. I have now lost faith in that organization. They seemed like a reliable source. For all of you people, Rainbow Road ain't a real racetrack, and they're not (laughs) figure eight racing to finish the regular season. Bowman Gray, Radiator Springs. I mean, what? What more do you want? When Kellen sent a message saying he said, Bowman Gray, I'm here for it. I'm like, no. (laughs) (laughs) One more more incident like that. I'm stripping your social media responsibilities. Okay, hold on. All right. He's a repeat offender, too, because remember when we had the Carl Edwards? Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Carl Edwards is coming back to War Rackley, and Rackley War and Kellen's on it telling us breaking this news. I'm like, dude, that is a fake account. We're not going to get canceled. We're just going to get disowned for giving out false info. Oh, okay, but all right. So Go with I'm, your racing stats. Yeah, so I'm looking at – so I'm on – this is – take it for what it's worth. It is um, dirt tracker analysis. Um, they have analytics for World All of Sprint Cars and then um, with Rico. So you can pick up by driver. So here are his – um his recent finishes and this goes back to the end of august 10th first sixth second fifth 11th fourth sixth first 30th third so that you look at those previous 10 races you could argue williams grove night one was the only night he was out one of the two nights he was outside of the top 10 so um he the the numbers are there, um, but it just I think again it comes down to honestly it comes down to track schedule, who's run where where more, yeah, which so. yeah we didn't even get into because <clears throat> I mean you get everything from a bull ring to a half mile and yeah. obviously all vastly different, but. Yeah, we love what we love all three. Um, yeah, just good little debate. Good little so debate. Speaking of, yeah, so kind of going from uh, let's go from one debate to the next. So, um, the recent rumors of Brad Sweet and Kyle Larson trying to or going to buy out that all star circuit of champions 
um, sprint car series. Do we do we have a feeling one way or another about a race director running a race as a driver? Are we against it? Are we for it? Or are we, if he can do it, great? I'm for it to a point, I guess. And I, what I mean by that is I think what he's kind of done with the high limits, I like. He's not running every race, but he's running races every once in a while just to see how the show flows. He can kind of get that perspective from the driver's point of view. And he even admitted to that. It's, you know, first year by no means is going to be perfect, but he's learning a lot as it is that they carry over into year two and year three and so on and so forth if it, if it keeps going that way. So I, I don't think it's a bad thing that he's running some races and especially with um, Wolda Outlaws having their freebie limitation as it is. He has to be very picky and choosy about races, races that he runs outside of the world outlaws anyways. But, you know, let's just say if he does leave the world outlaws and does this full time, I don't think it's a bad thing if he runs some races, but I don't see where he would run every single one either. True. Uh, kind of two points, um, one off topic, and that is the first one of, I don't know what your guys' thoughts are, but by, you know, he's, him saying, you know, the first year for Highland is by no means going to be perfect. I, geez, boys, I don't know. From a viewer perspective, the planning they put into it, the product, I don't think you could have hit it much better on the first year than what those boys have done. I think there's some behind the scenes stuff that they want to work on. If there's anything, I think yeah. one thing that was kind of noted on the first, at least the first two races on the year were the uh, challenges for, you know, the, the top qualifiers to move back into the field. So it's like first, I think it was first and second were offered to roll, you know, they roll the dice and whatever it shows up as take that many spots back. Nobody would do kinda, it. Right. Yep. So they so had to change they, that up middle of the year. Yeah, that was interesting too. Yeah, nobody would do it. So then it was you're just literally rolling the dice for wherever whatever dice you roll on. If if the dice if you roll two dice and you get twelve, twelve thousand extra dollars if the first place or twelfth place starting driver wins the race. Yeah. That was kind of interesting. Yeah, I didn't completely forgot about that. That that one night Brad actually was getting pissed. Yeah, nobody would take it. Nobody would take it. He kept rolling. They would bring a driver up. First one, roll it. Now I'm starting on the pin. Second guy, now nah, don't want it. Yep. And Sweet was literally like, "What are we? What are you guys doing?" Yeah. Yeah, I think to your point. Yeah, there probably is some behind the scenes and schedule wise too. But I don't know. I think the only. I don't know. I think they knocked it out of the park. Um, the only thing is I just, I like it one that it's not like a weekly show because yep. like their midweek shows like are a huge deal and oh, absolutely it brings out the best of the best, but there was earlier this year, I'm pulling up their schedule of when there was kind of, they were out for a while. Um, is that the month of August? I think they were just kind of like chilling. So they ran Eagle Raceway June 6th, and then they didn't race again until uh, July 26th. Okay. So 
damn near two months. Yeah, and I know I think like a month and a half, and then that it was going to go July 26th and then August 15th, but they rescheduled. Yeah, they call Kamal. I don't know. I think if I think they knocked it out of the park and they the shows from a viewer standpoint are awesome. Racing, awesome. The flow of the show is awesome. Um, I think they're yeah, and kind of to your point, it's interesting, and, and we'll touch on today a little bit too, but different places they go, they had different supporting classes. Uh, I just remember watching one earlier in the summer. They had what we call the amateur hour in the modifieds. Um, they had modifieds one night. Tonight they had big block modifieds. Like that, again, it draws a different group to your product, but I think when you look at a raw car count entry list, like some of those races, they had 55 cars checked in. You're going to send a lot of cars home Good that are cars. Really, really fast. Like, and I think your parallel to that is when you look at what um, that Castrol Flow Racing Night in America has done with the super late models, same exact thing um, with that. But I think the biggest dictator of that is what your series schedules are. Right. Like we look at it now, it's like Castro's got a handful of races left here to go to end the year, but they were in a kind of a lull when you had two series that were going two different directions in World of Outlaws and then Lucas Oil. So I think if you if you alleviate some of that issue with hey, now high limit and all star circuit champions are together. All right, drivers, what do you want to do? We'll we'll accommodate you in some fashion. What can we do for you guys sure. to make these? Hey, we're gonna race, we're gonna go from we're gonna go from somewhere in the Dakotas to somewhere in the Midwest. On a Saturday night, you're gonna drive on a Tuesday. Where do you where could we stop and race? Where could we do a Tuesday night show? We get regrouped, get ready, then you got a Friday, Saturday show somewhere in Iowa or it's Pilico. it's an on the way type of thing. Yeah, yeah. Where they can make it accommodating in that sense. And you already know when you look at those two guys, if they if they make this happen, they will be uh, they will be beyond good to those teams that run that series. Yeah. Look, I just had not the most intelligent person, but I just had a light bulb moment. Oh, this doesn't happen too often. Go ahead. If Larson and Sweet buy all buy the All Star Series, we got all our answers next year. Sweet Larson <laughs> and Rico. <laughs> no. But no, I think kind of tying it back to the original question. Am I okay with? Well, let me start here. If those two do it, Brad Sweet and Kyle Larson, I am totally in for it. And I will watch every race, and I fear for the World Outlaws' future. See, um, but the only – go ahead, but I got a thought with that. And then second point is following up. Look, I would – at first, I'm like, yeah, I got no issue with Brad Sweet running every race, being an owner, you know, whatever. But 
I mean, I said he's the best out of him, Larson and Rico. So I can see where people would be like, okay, this is getting annoying that the guy that owns the series is showing up and winning some winning every single week. Like I could see some fans, I don't know, complaining, but I don't know. I have no issue with it. I think it's going to put the best racing product out there that they can. If he runs the races, it'll draw in the most amount of fans. And so from a viewer perspective, um, I'm all in would love to see the high limit kind of take that all-star and merge. And then look, I want to watch the best shows and that's going to be if Brad sweets on the track. So, um, yeah, I'm here for both of them. So one thought that I had is that the world outlaws has their, uh, freebies that I mentioned earlier. I think it's four races. Actually. I had mentioned six, I think last week, I think it's actually four where the world outlaws give those drivers four races outside of their sanctioning body that are freebies and they could still acquire the benefits of being a World of Outlaws regular. I'm assuming part of it's probably a guaranteed money fund or, you know, uh, you know, entrance into races, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, if, if this merger happens and something happens, how does that affect their, you know, you kind of hinted at it. How does that affect their regular runners of that series? And I think just to avoid maybe stepping on toes right away, because I think Sweet still wants to run some World of All Us stuff, is sure, spread out the schedule or broaden the schedule, but still keep it limited. Maybe do an every other week or, you know, once a, once a month type of thing. It's still, you get the flavor of it. And when it, when you get, when you're anxious for that type of racing, it's right there. You could still meet, make schedules match up and something like that. It's just, you don't want the two going against each other because that's just bad for racing period. It doesn't matter if it's dirt NASCAR or any short track stuff. If you got two monster series button heads with each other, nobody wins. And I think, and I think, I think the other part to that is I think the world of alt laws would probably loosen up a little bit. I think, I think that's, that's where Sweet comes to play. I think he's kind of got to be that ambassador for both. Yeah, I think he's going to be, hey, we're not trying to compete with you. We're trying to get the best of both. What compromise can we come to that you can still have all of these guys run World Outlaws points regularly, but they can also come run for us to try to win a Tuesday night show for twenty three grand, or they yeah. can come run a Saturday night. Maybe they, maybe if they do make this happen, maybe they find themselves a couple of crown jewels. Yeah. Like, hey, we got a we got a fifty thousand dollar to win sprint car race tonight. Like, and that very well could depend on the schedule and where they end up. Like, it could be, hey, we have our drafted schedule. This is what we think. Can we come to a compromise in some fashion? Yep. And I think kind of wrapping that conversation up the amount of leverage that Brad Sweet has. <laughs> like, he's got some serious power because he can come – if he goes in and him and Larson do buy the All-Star Series, he's got that. And then he can 
he's got that series. And then he can come to the table, the world outlaws and say, I got this series. I don't want to, I don't want to step on toes, but you know, here's what I'm looking to do. And if it, if they don't like what Brad Sweet brings to the table, I think, I think he could dang near run him out of business. Unfortunately, yes. Unfortunately. And like we said, we don't hope for that. We don't want that. I do kind of think, you know, because like we said, we've, we have three, you know, major series right now for the sprint cars with World Outlaws, High Limit, and then All-Stars. And if Larson and Sweet do take it over, it'll be like, okay, we got two prominent and then, you know, maybe I think I kind of do like the idea of that Van Grohl brought of, you know, if they do it, maybe the first year is, you know, 20 or 30 races as opposed to 60 or 70. Cause then it gives you kind of that fine line of like, Hey, we don't need guys tearing stuff up every single week, yep. but we know, you know, if it's every, you know, two shows a month or, you know, whatever, we know guys are going to, show up to the track and they're going to be dialed in and it's going to allow for the best racing product, you know, to happen. So I don't know. I think it would be, it'd be awesome to see. And then you throw in Brad Sweet and Kyle Larson, they got the driver perspective of it. Yep. They are, you already think that they're going to put it, make it driver friendly. Anything that they don't like about rules and regulations right now, or that they know a lot of drivers don't like, it's like, gee, well, let's change rules one, two, and three that everybody complains about every week. And boom, you got another draw right there. It's like, Hey, these rules and regulations are, yep. these make me mad every single week. So I don't know. We don't hope or want, you know, to run one out of business. It's like you said, nobody wins when everybody's butting heads, but um, yeah, it's just an interesting development. See where it goes. And the spring car racing, if you don't watch it is, that's it. That is that racing is awesome. Yeah. And we could be sitting here in a year going, that was a fun conversation to have, but nothing ever came of it. We, we don't know. This is sure. all, it's all hearsay to this point. And if the guys that do know happen to see this, let us know what you're up to. <laughs> help, <laughs> help the guy out. It won't yeah, be I... the first and it won't be the last time that we would swing and miss on something. So, yeah. Yeah, you are 100% correct on that. Fantasy is a good example, but that's besides the point. Um, should we talk a little bit about tonight's race as well, since we were able to kind of watch that while you were getting the backup ready to go there, Cam? Um, race at Bridgeport tonight. Really, again, another solid race. Uh, Cole Floyd ends up putting his name in the mix, wrecks himself fighting for the lead. Um, and like you mentioned earlier, Abreu wins that one ties himself or gets him a lot closer to Larson for that championship and makes it a last, uh, last race effort as far, or a shootout really between the two guys for the championship. So what's your thoughts on tonight's race? That, that place was sporty. I, I don't, the, the more I've watched these dirt tracks, like in Cam and I are a little bit on the lower scale of the, 
the sim racing situation, but uh, the more I watch some of these places, that had it had a little bit bigger Fairbury feel. Had a little banking at the top. It kind of had a little spot in the middle. You got the big tractor tires on the bottom. It just it gave me a little bit of a stretched Fairbury feel. But you got guys wrapping the bottom. You got guys knocking the wall down, and it was just that you at one point you got three cars three wide trying to make a pass for a position, but you got the leaders behind them. Like Rico gets caught, Larson's right there, and then. Rico gets by, Larson gets caught. Now he's back a little bit. Like uh, that place was, that place was sporty start to finish. I that place was awesome. Look, I anytime you show up to a dirt track, it's like all right, right away you got to gauge how wide is the track. And this is totally somebody no real experience with like racing wise, but. Like, that's one of the first things. It's like, okay, like you watch a Fairbury and it's like, okay, super narrow, like track. Yes, you can run it, you can run the cushion, but it's for the most part, it's two lanes. But anytime, like, I flip on a, a dirt race, like, the first thing I think about is like, all right, let's gauge the track. How wide is it? And tonight, like you said, was Fairbury, four tenths mile track, but the banking just allows for guys to do anything and everything. And when you got a wide track with banking, again, I don't know a ton of, you know, not super knowledgeable on track expert and this, that, or the other thing. But I look at the track right away and it's like, geez, boys, tighten up the belts because it's going to be a good one. And yeah, like you said, tonight was just sporty and you love the guys that try to run the bottom and why I've started to just really enjoy sprint car racing is when those guys that live and die in the cushion, the speed that they come out of the corner and it's like, it is just like you oh, yeah. are, they are on a mission and they can almost make somebody look like they're sitting still if they run it perfectly. So yeah, tonight was, Again, an awesome show. Again, I didn't wasn't quite totally dialed in because I was rolling out the backup car and trying to get some technology figured out. But yeah, um, it was awesome. And Buddy Kofoid again, who somebody he's coming onto the scene. Well, yeah, but he's been on the scene this year, but not in a great way. I mean, yeah. he's been playing. <laughs> musical chairs trying to find the line <laughs> um, um to that point and nobody on planet earth has enough tack board and strings and faces and drivers and names to keep track of the what has been an absolute insanity of sprint car driver changes yeah i cam and i have always joked that we we ain't got brains big enough to keep track of what's going on because oh no the, the driver changes from permanent changes to temporary changes to different series and that alone has been a, a nightmare because you look at that 39m the concrete kid like it ain't that anymore. Like it, it's not the same. It's just like you look at the 39, you're like, that's concrete kid. No, it's not. It's not anymore. So it's like, good lord. 
Um, the, but no, amount I, of, the amount of tweets that say blank and blank racing team have agreed to mutually part ways. Oh. Dude. Too yeah. many for this big brain to keep track of. Your uh, tack board probably looks something like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah dude, for real. <laughs> yup. It's a big question mark with a bunch, a whole bunch of cars and a whole bunch of drivers <laughs> and a whole bunch of names. It's just question mark. But, no, I mean, I think Cole Floyd showed up tonight. I, unfortunately, he Rico, Rico pedaled it there, and Cole Floyd went flying by, and he – he waved as he went by because he saw that coming with that lap car. Like, I mean, he, yeah. Cole Floyd, he sent it in there hard to try to get that lead. Um, And you, I mean, you knew at that track tonight that track position was going to be everything. Um, I mean, you had what, three or four heat race winners start on the pole and win their heat. Like, you just knew that that small style track was going to lead to. Track and this being everything, and this was the first race for the high limits that somebody on the front row won the feature. Yeah, and that was scary knowing that you had Rico and Larson on the front row tonight. Yeah. So. so no, next week's gonna be really good. Gotta be sure to tune into Flow Racing for that one again. If you don't have Flow Racing, well, well worth the investment as far as the product that you get out of it and the racing that you can get. So tune into that for next week for uh, the, the season championship for them. Any final think, thoughts with high limits? Yeah, I'll jump in for final thoughts. Um, first and foremost, awesome series. I cannot wait for next Tuesday. Going to be completely chaos, awesome racing. Love sprint car racing right now <clears throat> in a great spot. Um, Sweet Larson doing awesome things for sprint car racing, but we should kind of throw out that maybe next week we can get it together, but we mentioned that we by far are not the most intelligent human beings, but we are, <laughs> we are just diehard racing fans. And we had, did, we did tease a little bit tonight that we were going to maybe do a little bit of recording and, you know, a live look in and kind of talk as they were racing, but Swing and a miss from the production crew tonight on that plan. <laughs> and uh, we are the production crew, so shame on us. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I think maybe I've, we've thrown around the ideas of, you know, kind of doing a live reaction or just talking headlines while there a big show is going on. And I don't know. I think, uh, I don't know. We maybe That's throw stuff, in, stuff in the works. Maybe we could throw it around and give it a whirl next week because I don't yeah. think there's going to be a bigger week for high limit than next week. But yeah, no, I, I love, love the high limits right now. Um, like you said, I think it's been an awesome series and geez, um, great, great topic conversation for us tonight and uh, looking forward to it in its future. Cal, any final thoughts? No, I'm, I'm impressed with the product, man. The viewer, I know there's a lot that goes into it, but the viewer product on our side, um, you know, when you look at the entry list and the places they're going and the Tuesday night payouts for $23,000, like that, that makes it a premier, a premier deal to watch on a Tuesday night. So 
Yeah. I, I've really enjoyed it. It's been awesome. Um, you get those guys from all those series to come over and run it. So it's been sweet. Uh, uh, let's. That, so that kind of playing off of that, it's been sweet. Got it. Yep. Brad Sweet. Yeah. Yep. But oh, at the end of the day, jokes than that. Yeah. Rico's got a tall task next week. Yeah, for sure. Um, let's yeah, what just a, what just a terrible joke for the average rate for the average person though they probably won't understand if you're not a race fan. But if you are, if you follow sprint cars, come on, dude, we gotta be putting out a better product than that. Uh, uh, for those of you that maybe tune in and don't know, um, oh my uh, Rico. Rico is a midget. He is a absolute certified wheelman. That is no knock on Rico, but Larson, anywhere you go, Larson's just tough to beat. So that's where I was having with that one. But he just caught me in a moment there. Let's uh let's transition here. You know, I think we, we gotta talk about Cup since we're in the playoffs. So let's talk real quick about Talladega. And I think there's two really big storylines coming out of this. One, the the truck fight, Crafton and Sanchez, and then Harvick's DQ after the race. Which, first off, my man Blaney, onto the round eight. Let's go, dude! I didn't realize that you were wearing that until about mid show, and I couldn't comment on it mid show. But oh, let's. Hey, but if they people tuned in two weeks ago, what did I say? What was one of the storylines that I was previewing in the cup? The four guys below the cut line. Here we sit two weeks later. Yeah, that little weasel. Yeah. Um, but no, I think uh first kind of point I'll you know, whatever, um, throughout there is the fight. Um again, I don't know we I don't know that we're ever gonna get the full story on what happened or the truth. Obviously they both come out with their own statements and it's neither there's neither of those guys' fault if you read their statements, so um. Yeah, I don't know what to think, but I guess to kind of pose a question, I've I don't want to debate too long, but what are your guys' thoughts on fighting in NASCAR in in Cup Series? I mean, we saw it earlier this year with Chastain throwing that sucker punch on Gregson. I guess what are your thoughts on it? There's a point you can go so far with it. I think that was definitely across the line, especially with some of the things that were said by some of them guys afterwards. Yeah, there's you even in the heat of the moment, there's some things that that can't be said, and there were some those things were said. said. Yeah, so there's a yeah. point to it. Uh, okay, no. so obviously we're all on the same page. Verbal, the stuff that was said should never be said to any human being at all. There is no place in this world for the things that were said. But you didn't quite touch on it. What do you think about the old boys getting out the old boxing mitts? Yeah, <laughs> if you're gonna do it, do it in front of the fans. That's do it on pit road so that everybody's paying attention. No, I mean, and obviously again, we don't know the entire story about it, but I think you know, if you're gonna do it, come up to the guy on pit road have a heated discussion that heated discussion turns into punches thrown so be it hockey style somebody hits the ground pull them away 
and no crew guys involved. Driver on driver. Okay. I I was gonna kind of say I was gonna allude to um a couple of years ago with uh Harvick and Chase Elliott. Like Harvick gets out of the car after the race, he is visibly frustrated, slams his helmet. How he didn't smash his glasses, I'll never figure that out, but he manages to keep those alive. Um <laughs> but he comes over and you get the the finger pointing in the chest. Yep. You get the little push. Um and then from there, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know where you draw the line. Um They handle it like veterans. They d- talked it out. They found a place for the two of them to talk alone. What happened yep. behind closed doors was behind closed doors. Nobody came out bloody. Yeah. They handle it like vets. So I'm I'm kind of I'm debating the I still haven't figured out a solution to it because I don't really know. But the Chastain and Gregson deal when it was like a from left field type of bomb. Now here's my here's my issue with that is you had to know it was going to get heated. You had to know it probably was going to turn into a little bit of a tussle. But in the same sense, like I still think it's almost like it's got to be a little bit like you got to give each guy a fair crack at it. Like you can't, Still. you can't, you can't have one guy knock the brains out of the other. And then yeah. the other guy try to play from behind here. Like that's my. <laughs> so I'm going to throw this one out here as like a, an example. Uh, yep. Go ahead. Gordon and Keselowski give it Harvick figure Harvick's in the middle of something. He always is but... oh, yeah, <laughs> pushing Keselowski into there. But I think, Words were said. There was a disagreement. Tempers got hot. There was a little bit of an outside influence. Yep. And they went at it. Yeah, one other thing. I, hold on, Cam. Before you hold this, I can't figure out why, as race car drivers, that these guys take their helmets off when they want to fight. <laughs> if, you're gonna, if we're going to go toss bombs, you can go ahead and punch my helmet. But I'm going to try to. No. If we're going to fight, I'm going to try to hit your face, not your helmet. Nope. Dude, it's if like one NFL guy guys that are throwing punches. Dude, you're doing more damage to your hand than anything. Yes. I've never figured why that are, out. Why are NASCAR guys openly vowing or vouching for a bloody nose and a blood? Got to match it up, man. That one guy takes the helmet off. That other guy better <clears throat> match it up with you. Otherwise, so, you're going to be the one that gets dissed openly. So, I guess I kind of have a – I got a clear answer on one part and a gray answer on another part. The things that were said in post truck race um, by Sanchez, absolutely no place should never be said to any human being at all. So that hard cut, no. Where I'm having a tough time coming up with my answer is I do think, you know, it almost when that, when this, when the heated conversations come up, you almost know, like, there's like an 80% chance this ends in fists. If somebody's pissed off after a race and they come up to the to the guy in the car, like there's a good chance, you know, it's gonna end up in fists. Yeah. Um, so I do kind of like it because it's like whatever. Um not that we're in it for clicks. Um but the Chastain and the Chastain and Gregson, like Chastain got 20 minutes on Pat McAfee and they interviewed him 
about after he, you know, sucker punch him. Yeah. So it's like, as racing fans, we're always looking to grow the sport and bring on new fans. Yep. It's not a great way, but it like did. McAfee's show would... is McAfee's show is huge, and Chastain got twenty minutes on this show because he, he rocked a good one, a maker. So yeah. I don't know. I think we we're kind of all on the same page. Hey, after the race, go up, show your displeasure, try to talk it out, and. You know, hopefully you guys can verbally come to a conclusion. Somebody can own up to it. But if fists are thrown, I don't have a problem with it. But, yeah, we got to back the security guards up a few steps because, like, when Chastain gave Gregson, that security guard was on it. So Gregson walked up, initiated it, got socked, and didn't even get to retaliate. So... I don't know. Yeah. No, I don't know. It's. We got to keep it. We're in a rock and a hard place. Yeah. You got to keep in mind too, that, you know, 1979, Daytona 500, the fight, the fight, Kaylee Yarbrough, Donnie Allison. I mean, that put NASCAR on the map. So not a bad thing. Can be a bad thing. Yeah. So other, other big headline that came out of this was also Harvick's, uh, disqualification over the past weekend. Uh, loose windshield fasteners on the car. Uh, Tuesday penalty report, nothing came out, which I'm a little surprised, honestly. I thought there was going to be a penalty handed down uh, to Richard Childress, a uh, four-race suspension. Could see it yet tomorrow. I guess we'll have to to wait and see. Um, but what you guys is your fellow thought on that because at least listened to the NASCAR post race show on the radio. Uh, there were a lot of mixed emotions as far as that penalty goes. I'm on the fence. It's hard to know. He, at this point, I think he's trying to solidify winning a race before he goes out. Now, I don't know if that, what they found was truly manipulated. I don't know. Maybe it was just a race thing. Maybe it honestly got missed. I don't know. It's hard to know. Yeah. But at this point, I think at the end of the day, I think if there's going to be anybody that's going to push the envelope to try to win a race, it's going to be him to win one more before he goes out on the old victory tour. So I don't know. I can't say one way or another because I don't know if it was really truly just missed or it happened during the race or they just really tried to manipulate it. But he's not in the playoffs. He's literally just – he's there to gun to win a he's race right, before he goes out. So, yeah, running for wins. Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, I'm going to – it's hard to think that the, the NASCAR report didn't have anything to do with it today. But maybe it would be a different story if it was a playoff guy. Yeah. And maybe it would be handled a little different way. You know, I don't know. This is uh, – for us, this is the first one in the NASCAR. Well, this is the first one in – a long time potentially ever with the windshield thing. I mean, he's had issues with that rear window in that car too. Yeah. So I, maybe this is a little bit of a, a Joe. Once is a coincidence twice. I mean, I don't know. It's, it's hard to say, but I'm surprised there wasn't something for somebody there. Uh, Yeah, I guess, you know, Whatever it is, 
and it was his hood pins weren't or what was the official? It term? was the windshield fasteners were loose. What well, holds the windshield in the car? Yeah, I mean, kind of a big deal. Kind of a big deal <laughs> when you're going right. two hundred miles an hour. Gee, that's not something I would want loose. But... Well, the hood pins thing—you must have been thinking about the KBM fifty-one from the truck race that flapped open and tore oh. into nineteen million pieces, but. Yeah, I, I guess, you know, whatever it is, and I don't know if it was intentional, if it, how much manipulating it had, or if it made his car quicker or not. <clears throat> I guess whatever it is, as long as NASCAR takes the same stance every single time, that's what I that's what I want. Yep, they're and consistent as long with their... As, if this is going to be the standard they set for this type of infraction... It needs to be handled this way every single time. Don't change it because somebody's in the playoffs. Don't. No. If this is how it's going to be handled, no penalties, just, you know, you lose your track position. As long as this infraction and similar infractions, as long as they set the standard, keep the standard. And. Yeah, I'd agree. I just, I just don't no, want to get into uh, a get into a, oh, Chase Elliott's windshield was a little bit loose, and this week, yeah, you know, when yep, you know, penalty for his crew chief. I don't know. As long as NASCAR keeps the same stance on it and doesn't flip flop or waver from the way they handle them, everybody knows the rules. Here are the rules, and yep. And that's and that's a good point. There are three rules in the rule book that talk about fasteners in some way, shape, or form. So um, I don't know. I, I think it was more of a safety issue that it was a performance issue. If there was a performance uh issue with it or a performance enhancer with it, I don't think anybody knows about it. I'm definitely not an engineer by any means. I attempted to be one, not very good at it. Um so who's to say, I, again, I think it really comes down to the safety aspect of it. And who's to say, maybe they get their chance at the appeals court if they feel like, yeah, this, you know, we could prove that this came loose during the race, or maybe this was a faulty part. I know we've heard that before already this year. If they could bring the proper evidence, I don't see why they couldn't appeal. And I think that's just due over time. Is it a moot point? I mean, maybe you're not, again, you're not going for points. You're only going for the prize money then at that point, knowing that you didn't win the race. So, um, no, I, again, it, like you said, Cam, if NASCAR is being consistent with their judgments and their calls, I think that, uh, that's race fans that all, that's all we can ask for. And drivers are going to respect that too. And yeah. crews. For sure. So, um, no, again, Talladega, great race. Um, 70 lead changes I saw in there amongst various leaders. And again, uh, Ryan Blaney pulling off the photo finish. He has a freaking habit of doing that at Talladega, but Hey, he always comes up on the good side of it. So, um, no, again, Talladega really great race. Definitely a bucket list race of mine to get down to. So any final thoughts, fellas, before we kind of look ahead on the, on the week ahead. No, not really. Good race. Um, I kind of talked with Kellen a little bit. You know, everybody thinks restrictor plate is just gas wide open and just going, you know, around. But once you start diving into what's going on and the runs and the drafting and all that, I almost think I'm starting to like 
restrictor plate racing. Yeah. It's moving up the list. So, no, great product. I thought it was, yeah, it was awesome. So, and that's kind of, you know, we, we kind of talk about it. You know, we talk about the dirt cushion with the sprint cars. Um, and now we're talking about the same deal with getting into like understanding the technique or the tactics of super speedway racing. Um, one thing we've kind of talked about as a crew here is when we get into that off season is we're going to go into a heavy debate of your favorite style of racing, whether it be dirt or asphalt, you like the big two and a half miles, you like the half miles, you like short tracks, you like the intermediates. Um, so uh, once we get into the off season here a little bit and we kind of get our championships wrapped up, we're going to, we're going to have a serious debate on what's the best racing and why. And we may not have an answer for it, but we're going to tell it, we're going to argue with why or why not. So kind of, kind of building on that point. Cause we just, again, we're arguing for it. Um, and we did the same thing for high limits. So kind of keep, a cool little point to, to tie them together. Yeah. Keep tuning in. Cause you're going to hear a lot of discussion and, you know, we're always looking forward to hearing from you as well, as far as, you know, things that we talk about. So let's move on into the weekend ahead or the race week ahead. A lot of, again, a lot of racing as, as series start to wrap up here. Um, Cam, I'll start with you. What, uh, what are you kind of looking forward to this weekend? Um, I guess, um, kind of race preview. I don't know who was on race preview and I just closed out my NASCAR cup series, <laughs> um, point standings. Um, but obviously elimination race. And the question I was going to pose to you guys looking at it, Reddick's minus two, Bubba Wallace is minus nine, Ross Chastain's minus 10, Kyle Busch minus 28. That's on the bottom. Um, Potential luminaries. Then you got Kozlowski plus two, Larson plus 15, Truex plus 17, Busher plus 19. If you got to pick one person to get in below the cut line, who are you guys putting in? And with so, who's above the cut line that's getting booted? I think I got a pretty clear cut answer on that. Obviously, I was thinking about it, but we'll see what you guys think. I mean, if we're talking road course here, I got to go with Reddick. He's really good at the road courses. I would have to throw him in as far as getting in. If I got to kick somebody out, I mean, Brad Kate, he's right there. It's just, he's going to do okay, but it's not going to be enough. I, Kellen, you want to? Well, I'm currently looking at the finished positions last year from the Roval. Couple, couple interesting ones up there. So here are your. I'll give you your top. Girl, are you fact checking or should I? I nope. I'm, I'm looking at it right now here. All right. So before you even get that far, I'm going to give you. It's the Bank of America Roval 400 on Sunday, October 9th of 2022 at 1 p.m. All right, so, we're we're the clear. Okay. So your, your, I'll give you your top six or seven. Uh, Christopher Bell, Kevin Harvick. Kyle Busch, AJ Allmendinger, Justin Haley, Chris Buescher are your top six. So I'm I'm on the old ride or die train with this guy because he's just giving me a freaking heart attack every week. Does Kyle Busch potentially get himself in? He finished Boy. third, and if you look at it, he finished third, and he scored 34 points. That's, that's a that's a tough tough tough, it's sell. A tough sled 
But you also look at it, you've got Brad Kay, who's plus two, is not great at road courses. Um, you look at some of these other guys that are up there, A.J. Elmendinger not running for points, Justin Haley not running for points, Kevin Harvick finished up, they're not in the playoffs. Like, it takes one guy to have – he gets tangled up with somebody in the back because he's got to go to the rear post-qualifying tech or – has an issue in practice, like that's all it takes. And he he could be up front and potentially take that thing. So I don't know. If I had to take a gut feeling on who was going to be out, I don't know. I'm going to have to say Rowdy, Chastain. I don't so see you're that. Not, you're not removing anybody from above the cut line. You're just saying Rowdy's getting the four below the cut line are getting axed. It's going to be between Reddick. Brad K. Reddick and Bubba. I'm gonna say I'm, I'm gonna say Chastain and Rodeo are out, and I'm gonna say Larson and MTJ get through. To add to the analysis by paralysis here, uh looking at Kyle Bush's finishes on road courses here. Austin, Texas, he was second. Looking at Sonoma, he was second. Chicago Street Course, he was fifth uh let's see here Watkins Glen he was 14th I think he finished 30th somewhere oh Indianapolis the road course he finished way down in the bottom there so he can it's been okay at road courses this year Yep. I think I think here's what it comes out to I think I think Reddick gets through, Brad K doesn't. So then you're a four eliminator, going to be Brad K, Bubba, Chastain, and Rowdy. That's my prediction. Yeah. I think um, Reddick's not good enough to stay ahead of Brad K. You do think he is? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah, and I think this might be a clean sweep. Um, if anybody above the cut line goes down, uh, I think it's going to be Brad K. MTJ, Kyle Larson, both solid at road courses. Even Bushers show he can wheel it at a road course. So I think those guys, pending something goes terribly wrong, they're just going to do what they need to do to point their way to the next round and survive. But um, I guess if I had to, if I had a wild, not a wild prediction, I guess a copycat prediction, I guess I would predict Tyler Reddick outruns Brad K on a road course. But um, Look, Chastain pulled some magic at Martinsville. Um, does Chastain? No. Chastain will Chastain somebody. <laughs> Again, he's going left and right, a lot of breaking zones. To imagine him just Yeesh. punting his way to the front, <laughs> punting his way to the front. Um, I don't know. Does Chastain have a little magic up his sleeve? Um, he's somebody that I think uh, could pull it off. So. Yeah. All right. Well, was, we're race winners. Let's hit them. Well, let's hold on. Before we jump too far into that, let's uh, do a little more preview in here. We'll kind of use fantasy as a wrap-up. Uh, Kel, what's uh, what's on your agenda for this weekend? What are you kind of looking at? Uh, for race previews, you're talking? Yeah. Sweet. So, Cam, yeah, Cam obviously touched on uh, NASCAR Cup. 
Um, I'm looking at the world of outlaws, dirt late models, uh, going to Brownstown, which Lucas Oil was just at. So um, we got a good read on the track there and kind of how they're prepping home guys will run. So uh, Bobby Pierce, still your point leader with that series. Um, so they go there Friday and then Saturday they come back to Fairbury. So kind of in the neighborhood, um, kind of not for us, but uh, coming back to Fairbury where, again, Bobby Pierce, it traditionally runs really well at Fairbury. So um, Chris Madden loves these Midwestern tracks that uh, Bobby Pierce is good at. So <laughs> inside joke. Uh, yeah, but no, I would say hey, you could probably pick Bobby Pierce to be a winner at both of those nights um, with uh, the world of outlaws. Yeah. Sorry, Cal. I pulled a swap getting into NASCAR preview right there. So my bad. Um, but yeah, uh, world outlaws, I had a few notes, Bobby Pierce, he's got 146 point lead on Chris Madden, B Shep's minus 168, um, Gustin 254 and B, uh, old squirrel, B Shirley's 274 back. Um, quick notes, Brownstown, uh, Bobby's had the RTJ year for world outlaws. Bobby's probably going to run away with this, but. Um, somebody else's ears are going to perk up when I say this. Somebody was just there last week and had a solid run. Nick Hoffman. Um, Let's go. Went, went there last week with uh, Lucas Oil. Got it dialed in. So maybe somebody that could steal a show on Friday night. Uh, who knows? Tune in to see. And then Fairbury. Bobby's been on a mission there. Uh, he won there a few weeks ago. Um, Castro Flow Night Racing in America. He won it. Ran second at PDC earlier this year um, to Ricky. And then won the Friday night show. So yeah, uh feels like anywhere you show up, um Bobby is dialed in. So um be interesting to see. Um B Shep though. Rocking B Shep today. Um he always runs well at Fairbury. So if there's anybody that might have something, um he always runs solid at Fairbury. So yeah, gonna be a good show. Uh, weekend for me, I'm looking forward to the Oktoberfest race weekend. One of the bigger race weekends that we have up here in the Midwest four day show out at the lacrosse fairground speedway. Pretty much anybody that races up here in the Midwest is going to be here. Any division that's running, they're going to be there. So four days of racing starting Thursday night. Uh, they got the Knights and futures races, which I feel like is always a great show. The Knights, they have some, uh, future winners on the year or even veterans on the on the racing scene, they run in the Knights race against each other, and then they have the Futures race, some up-and-comers that haven't maybe haven't won a feature or are still very young on the scene have a race against each other. So always ends up being a good race and um, seeing who's running. Obviously got a ton of support divisions running as well. It's Derek Krause won it last year. He won the Knights race. Um, ton of support divisions, like I said, everybody's running there. They got over 700 laps of future race and alone. They'll probably have pretty close to 300 plus cars there over the entire weekend. Um, and it all wraps up on Sunday with the ASA Midwest Tour race, uh, the Oktoberfest 200 to wrap up the ASA Midwest Tours uh, season. Right now, they got 49 cars on the entry schedule. Uh, very, very, very stacked field of drivers and it's another one of those some guys some good drivers are going to miss this race so i'll be there friday saturday sunday if you're there come say hi and, and uh, enjoy the racing because it's going to be really good 
just to confirm, um, this strength of field is not quite as strong as the Madison Stars Tour race. So, and I kind of figured without the uh, you know, some of the national draw on there, but it's um so with that super late model rankings on Twitter, um, yep. he got back to me. I commented on there. He said, um. It won't be as strong as Madison overall, but Oktoberfest will be right around the top 10% when the season is complete. So that nice. gives you a pretty good idea of strength of field with that Oktoberfest. Um, so Madison had seven of the top nine to run that feature. So yeah. that's where it kind of they had to draw. But uh, sure. again, at the end of the day, if you're in the top 10% super late model race in the country, uh, we got it up here. So. Some notables on the entry list. Lowell Bennett's making a return. Casey Johnson's also making a return. There he is. Uh, Let's see. Brazen Bennett's running. Andy Monday. Gabe Summers looks to wrap up the championship. Uh, Jeff Storm's running. Uh, Right up here. Yeah, Derek Krause, he's running. Both of the Fredericksons, Danny and Ty are running. I'm sure Dan's going to get his $1,000 bonus from Bickle that weekend. Um. Jacob Gady's going to run. Both of the Weinkoff boys are running. Defending champ uh, Andrew Morrissey's running. I mean, it, I mean, the list goes on. There's all kinds of guys running there. So always a great did, show. Uh, yep, entry list is on our Instagram as well. So go check that yes, out. Absolutely, full detail list there. Um, the whole I posted the whole entry list on our Instagram. So yeah. So nope, going to be a great, great, great weekend guys, of racing. Weather's going to be great. You guys done all this research? I guess who are you picking to win it? I guess yeah. Let's start with that Oktoberfest. You feel like starting that, and then we'll hit NASCAR then. So Cam, since you uh, we'll let you have first dibs. Who who you thinking? Uh, straight answer, Derek Kraus. Derek Kraus. All right. That's that's supposed to be. No need to overanalyze it. Look at the field. That uh, if he's there, there's one answer. <laughs> he All was right. fast last year. He was he was quick there last well, year. And again, he won the Knights race so no kellen who's on your pick there i'm gonna take you know hopefully he's not a little bit too distracted with uh the old the young tiger running with him i'm gonna take danny frederickson he likes that place yes he does yeah i'll probably cheat again (laughs) (laughs) totally kidding if you haven't seen that video on Facebook, go check it out. When you got oh, that's a classic that deal at Madison, that was what did he say? He gets out the the digital. Uh, oh, they had the digital uh, measure or the yeah, caliper. The digital caliper, and he goes, "Oh, eighth of an inch." Yep, that's ten thousand dollars. Yeah. So just a, a good laugh. Just a good laugh. But well, if you're he, gonna leave, at least he made fun of it. That's the best yes. part. Yep. So, well, if you're going to leave the door open for me, I'm going to take it. You guys are going to hate me for it, but I got to go Majeski. I mean, actually, can't do that for the production. You got to be happy. (laughs) Can't be shown by by us on the podcast. Hopefully that's something that we could do here too. Kind of, you know, specialty races that are going on. We can make a pick. Um, But let's go back to something that we're all familiar with. Uh, NASCAR picks. Fantasy. We'll skip that portion of it because it wasn't a great week for fantasy again. Um, I lost to the non-player, got dead last. Yeah, it just was not a great week. So I I think, you know, it looks like. Uh, I get to go first again since I got last place. Yeah, 
and I'm kicking it back to one of my favorite races, and uh, I'm going to pick a non-playoff driver to win the race, Chase Elliott. All right. You know, okay. I needed one of my favorite races was when Kevin Harvick dumped him, and he was running Kevin Harvick down so quick that Kevin smashed it up looking in the rear view mirror. <laughs> so, yep, pretty straightforward there. Chase Elliott, he'll get the job done. Good road course racer. Hasn't had the year he's wanted or expected, but still in the owner's championship hunt, so he's going to get the I job would done. like you, I think I'm next, if I remember right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So I would, Cam, I would like you to know that I officially hate you because you took my pick. Um, God damn it, now I got to think about this. I know analysis paralysis by analysis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what? Screw it. I'm going for it. Tyler Reddick. Okay. He's he's the guy on the road courses this year. Has been for a while. Tyler Reddick. That's who I'm going with. Okay. You're taking Reddick. I'm taking Reddick. All right. Um. I guess you kind of you left me open to what I initially referenced earlier when you guys are all fact-checking me. I'll, I'll take Seabell. Back-to-back. Yeah, I think he goes back-to-back. I just think he'll he'll do a good he'll do a good job there. He has done, so he'll get it tuned up to get ready to go into the next round of playoffs. So. All right. So we got our picks figured out. Got our races that we're looking forward to. I tell you what, fellas, this has been a hell of an episode jam-packed with all kinds of things and i know we talked about a lot of things but any any uh final thoughts here as we kind of th- wind things down not for me um the racing world's been just electric across the board lately um and that's what we live for uh all all series trucks xfinity nascar you go to the dirt um, sprint cars, late model, everything's been awesome. So, no final ap- no final thoughts. Um, yeah, heck of an episode. Um, love covering the high limits there, so that was fun. And yeah, give us some feedback. <clears throat> yeah, that's a drop, kind of, drop kind some of comments fun. and uh, let us know. But wow, first time. Sorry, guys, I was kind of fading out there. We've been going for two hours. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, no, um, with that, um, we're always, um, at least for sure on Instagram, we'll post a weekly schedule either on Sunday night after the cup race or Monday morning. So if, if there's a race you want us to dive into for this podcast, feel free to drop a comment on the Instagram and we can, uh, we can get you covered on that as well. So I'll, we'll post our schedule. Um, you'll have all the stuff that we're going to at a minimum, keep an eye on and see who's winning those races because we're keeping track of that as well for um, the season. So if there's something uh, you guys see on our schedule that you want us to to dig into, um, more than happy to to dig into what you guys want us to dig into. We're in the thick of championship season. Series are starting to wrap up their champion or their seasons, crown champions. This is when the racing gets good. So definitely hop in. Uh, and as always, go to your local short track too. They're again, they're in their midst of their championship seasons. They're starting to wrap up, and the end the year off with a bang. And make sure you're supporting these guys and gals that are out there racing and putting on a show for you. It's it goes a long way for the drivers, the crews, the track, 
anything like that as well. So, you know, as always, don't forget to like, comment, subscribe, you know, again, give us any feedback on anything that um, you're looking for us to talk about or anything that we feel like we could do. Or again, we're, we're just three stones trying to find our way in this lovely world of content creation. So always appreciate any feedback and always appreciate you guys just tuning in too. So, um, no, this has been a jam-packed episode. It's got a lot of great content and or a lot, lot of great discussion. I think we're just going to keep the ball rolling. So, no, appreciate it, everybody tuning in, and I guess we'll see you next week.